You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. You are about to hear an awesome episode of the podcast, but first, I need to let you know that our travel company for young people called Under 30 Experiences is celebrating the launch of our summer trips. We have reserved a chateau for us in France in the wine country. We're going to go to places like Burgundy and Dijon and have an absolute blast tasting everything there is to taste in this beautiful country, as well as running all of our classic tropical trips to the rainforest in Costa Rica, to the beach in Costa Rica, to Nicaragua, to the islands off the coast of Belize to go snorkeling, to Tulum, Mexico. We're going to be running all of those trips all summer long. We have new dates for Iceland up on the site. Anyway, there's a whole lot of cool stuff going on, including a 12-day Scotland-Ireland trip that's new on the site. So if you haven't been to under30experiences.com in a while, check that out and use code SUMMERFUN for $100 off your trip this week. What's going on, everybody? It is Matt Wilson with the Live Different Podcast. I am here today joined by my friend Steve Cam. He is the founder of nerdfitness.com, and he is here to talk about leveling up your life, which happens to be the name of his new book. Uh, Steve is a guy who I met out at World Domination Summit a few years ago. Uh, He has lectured at some small places like Google and Facebook and Vanderbilt University, and uh, I'm just pumped to catch up with Steve. Steve, I heard that you were coming out with a book, and I said, you know what, Uh, whatever whatever is inside, I want to know about it. So this is, uh, this is how we got together. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, the uh, inside of the book is just full of tasteful nudes and uh, just really inappropriate content. So you are going to love it. I like it. I like it. Well, <laughs> no, I'm uh, a little different than that. I'm looking forward to, uh, to nerding out for, for the next hour or so, 45 minutes, however long we go for. But um, we were starting to catch up uh, right, you know, off off camera, off uh, audio recording as we're doing it, and um, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to hear your story a little bit more. You're living, you're living in New York. We met at World Domination Summit. If anybody who doesn't know about that event, it's really cool. Chris Gillibu, who's a New York Times bestseller, he wrote uh, $100 Startup and the Happiness of Pursuit. We met at his conference, and you told me, I don't know if you remember this, we went to some real awesome nerd coffee shop in Portland, Oregon, and I asked you about uh, the variety of options of milk with the coffee and if it really mattered about the skim milk versus the 2% versus the almond versus the soy, which you certainly advised me against. But at the end of the day, you were like, look, you're putting a splash of it in your coffee. Don't uh, don't work yourself up over it. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, I do a little bit. I was trying to think like what else I could have said in that instance. But no, that sounds that sounds exactly like me. I, uh, I like it. And also, uh, Steve, I don't know if you... If this is how I heard of you originally, but uh, years ago I Googled just the word straight up paleo, and you were one of the top results on uh, on Google, and that will grow your blog pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, for it's so funny. People ask me like, "Oh, what's your uh, what's your SEO strategy?" You know, you search really highly for like paleo and push ups and pull ups and intermittent fasting. I was like, ah. 
I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't, we don't do any sort of SEO optimization necessary. I hate to use SEO optimization because that's redundant, but um, we don't, we don't do any sort of things like that to optimize how Google finds us or try to game the system in any way. It's, I just try to write really great content that helps people in a unique kind of way. No, I, I, I really appreciate that. And if you were putting up, putting up enough solid content that is helpful to people that people reference and people link and people comment on and share with their friends, uh, eventually, you know, you're going to get one that, that hits with under30ceo.com. And in the old days, we had an article and it was like 50 kick-ass success quotes. And we ranked, I, I don't know, top two for success quotes on all of the internet. And it would bring us I don't know, close to 100,000 visitors a month. And honestly, we just got lucky that one time. But we've also published 4,000 articles on under 30 CEOs. So eventually, you're going to get one, right, I guess? Yeah, all it takes is 4,000 articles to overnight success, right? And no, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Um, OK, so Steve, that uh, I saw you. I honestly can't remember how many years it ago it was, maybe three years ago, I think. Three sounds right. Okay, so three years ago, um, I went on my own little expedition through Oregon. After that, I rented a car and drove up Mount Hood and had a really good time uh, on my own, but it sounds like you have been traveling yourself. This is something that I didn't know about you until I really started to, to dive into your website. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've gone through quite the... Uh metamorphosis, if you will, uh, over the past, I guess, really seven years since I, I started Nerd Fitness about seven years ago. Uh, prior to starting it, I sold construction equipment. So I was a, a salesman in a massive construction equipment company. And then from there, I went to work for half of the price or half the money that I was making. I went to work for a company doing marketing for a company that chartered floating music festivals, which was freaking awesome. And it was while working for them that I concepted, uh, truly dove into this idea of helping uh, nerds like myself get fit. And I Googled, you know, nerd and fitness and nothing popped up. So picked up nerdfitness.com and started writing articles about Star Wars and paleo and push-ups and, and all of these things. And it eventually got to the point where I couldn't keep doing the day job at a level I was proud of. And uh, the you know, nerd fitness was getting a little bit too hectic as well. So I quit the day job, went all in on nerd fitness. And about six months after that, sold everything that I owned and booked an around the world plane ticket and traveled pretty extensively. I want to say for about 18 months, I uh, jumped from through probably 12 to 15 countries, lived in half a dozen cities throughout the United States and uh, really had a blast with it. And then right around the time, I think you and I first connected in person, Matt, I was starting to transition uh, what I thought nerd fitness could become. So I had done the kind of Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, live out of a backpack, travel, work as little as possible to do all these other great things. But then I read Richard Branson's uh, Losing My Virginity. And great reading his book. book. Oh, man. I read that. It reads like an adventure novel. And I'm reading it and just thinking, like, here's a guy that has built this amazing brand that helps a lot of people but he also gets to do all these other really cool things too. Plus the dude owns an island in the Caribbean. And when I was in high school, I had like this little notebook of things I wanted to accomplish. And one of the things I wrote in there was like buy a tropical island. And I said it in jest back then, but then reading Branson, like, oh, you could actually do that. Okay. Well, 
Here's a, here's, a, here's a complete paradigm shift in what I'm trying to accomplish. So back when you and I met, uh, I probably had just one other part-time person helping me. We're now at the point where Nerd Fitness has nine full-time employees that live in nine different states, uh, probably another half dozen part-time contractors in addition to another dozen people that work in development, law, legal, uh, accounting, bookkeeping, servers, blah, 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 and all those other things. So it's gone from a solopreneur job to now truly a, an opportunity for me to hire and build a team and, and turn this into something uh, hopefully world-changing. That sounds that sounds really awesome. Uh, obviously, I want to ask about your your travels and your around the world trip, but uh, I'd, I'd love to actually hear a little bit more about your business and what these people um, are are doing who who work for you and producing content. I'm sure is a, a big part of it, and uh, how you manage that team virtually across nine different states. I'm uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear. It's it's challenging, but it's also really exciting as well. So. Like many, you know, I, I'm still proud to say that, you know, I own 100% of Nerd Fitness and I never took on any investment and never took out any loans. It was started with a $100 investment to buy a domain and, and hosting. And since then, you know, I hired somebody part-time from the Nerd Fitness community to help me with some things. And her name's Stacy. And she has since been operations really at, at Nerd Fitness. And she's been with me full time now for about, about four years. Uh, so Stacy runs operations. I have somebody on my team uh, named Lauren who actually used to work with at my old cruise job who runs the uh, events branch, which is crazy for me to say, the events part of uh, Nerd Fitness. So every fall we have this event called Camp Nerd Fitness, which is a long weekend of like, um, you know, we bring in 15 instructors that teach parkour, martial arts, yoga, powerlifting. Um, there's rock climbing and ropes courses. And then costume parties and, and video game competitions. So she's in charge of kind of coordinating that that event. And I just finished a book tour. She was with me on the whole tour and coordinated that whole thing. Uh, I have somebody on my team that helps me with product development. We then have uh, a managing editor who helps edit my content and work with anybody that else is writing for Nerd Fitness. And then we have customer service, design, development, uh, somebody that kind of helps me manage my life and travel and things like that. And uh, who else do we have? Jeez, yeah. And then from there, you know, bookkeeper, accountant, um, somebody that's helping from a project management standpoint. It's uh, getting getting kind of crazy in a fun way. Yeah, for sure. No, that that sounds. Uh, yeah, that is an exciting time. We're about that size with under thirty experiences. Our our travel company, and you know, we have people all going in all different directions, literally across the world. Uh, but that is, uh, yeah, I can, I can attest that it's a very exciting time of, uh, of the stage of a, of a company. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so Thank you. I, yeah, I mean, that, that's really awesome. I, so you guys are putting out a lot of content that helps people for free, of course. And then you have, uh, different products. Like I saw that you have a yoga product, um, which just helps, seems like it just helps nerds do yoga. And I, have used nerds a bunch of times, but of course I'm, I'm using it in, in, I guess in jest, I guess as no, a little, I, I uh, use it as proudly as possible. It's exactly. a, it's a term of endearment in, exactly. from my perspective. Okay, cool. And, uh, but so you have this, so you have this yoga product, you have this big event. When is your next event? I wanted to ask. It sounds awesome. It, yeah, it's uh, coming up September, I want to say September 16th, 
maybe September 20th, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure. It's a uh, middle of September in 2016. If you go to campnerdfitness.com, the details are there. We have videos from the last two years. It's, uh, it's a really powerful experience and, and shown me just what can happen when we get this community together in the same place. So looking to explore more opportunities this year, as you've seen with your, with your events, uh, how, how amazing things can be when you can get people that know each other quite well through the internet, get them all together in the same place. I mean, shoot, that's how you and I know it. You know, we've hung out in person like twice or through whatever it is, but I feel like, you know, I, I talked to you yesterday. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to make those connections for people and with people in life, uh, online, and then bringing them together for a long weekend. Some really powerful things can happen. I like it. I like it. I, uh, I could not have said it better myself, Steve. And uh, I'm curious where where your event is. I know you had one in Georgia maybe the first year um, at uh, a pretty sure. cool place. Yeah, it's actually, we're doing it in the same place again this year. Um, we have, uh, we've sold, you know, we, we opened up Last year we sold out, we did 300 people, and this year we're going to do 400, and we announced we opened up our first 200 spots this past fall to people that came last year and sold them out in a few days. So we're, um, we'll be opening up the final 200 spots in, I want to say, March of this year. So if you go to campnerdfitness.com, you can get all the details, but it takes place in Georgia. It's about two hours north of Atlanta, and we have shuttle buses that run up and down. It's this cool corporate retreat that has like half bunks and half hotel rooms. So people can book hotel rooms if they want a little bit more privacy or if they want to have like the true camp experience, um, they can do that as well. So we really go all out. We take over the whole campgrounds. We change the name of everything to, you know, paying nerdy homages to, you know, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Legend of Zelda and Super Mario. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. I like it. I like it. So, okay. So you have your, uh, your main event and then I, I mentioned the yoga practice, uh, yoga practice, yoga product. And what else, uh, what else do you guys have as far as products? I'm curious. Sure. And then the, the other big one is what we call the nerd fitness Academy. Okay. That's kind of our, the first six months to a year of your fitness journey. We want to walk you through the process. So you can sign up there. There's a series of quests and missions for you to complete. There's exercise, programs to follow, whether you're working out at home, if you have dumbbells, or you actually have access to a gym. There is a whole leveling system tied to your diet based on how you know everybody starts at, let's say, a level one, and then if you cut out certain things or add other things into it, um, you might move up to level two after two weeks and so on and so forth. So we really try to gamify the health and fitness experience. Uh, just I found it's, it's so much more it's easier to wrap people's heads around it instead of being like, oh, I have to go run on a treadmill or I have to drag myself to the gym. It's like, no, I have a mission to complete today. And this mission will prove to me that I'm stronger this week than I was last week. And when you reframe in that perspective, I think people are a lot more likely to get hooked on this idea of improving themselves rather than spending more time uh, escaping into a computer screen or a television or another book. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I like how you use the word escape. And uh, I was doing some reading the, the first chapter of your book and uh, just a little bit more about, uh, about what, you're, what you're working on now. And um, I'm curious about that escape and your kind of escape story. And uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that because that seems to be a big uh, theme in your life that you've looked at and, and identified and then said, all right, how am I going to transform myself into this superhero persona and <laughs> to overcome that? Sure. Well, like I said er earlier, 
my first job out of college, I sold construction equipment. And I was horribly mismatched and not very good at it. And, uh, you know, because I was so mismatched, but because I thought this is what I was supposed to do, and everybody's like, well, you get out of college and you get a real job. And then you just work there and you make money and you save some. And then eventually you retire. Like, that's just what you're supposed to do. And because I was so upset with how the job was going, I spent the majority of my free time, very much like I did in high school and very much like I did in college, escaping into another video game or rereading another book. Uh, actually, I would drive from job site to job site reading Harry Potter novels in between getting rejected on sales calls. So uh, the I, this concept of escape for me, you know, I started these things, these games and watching these movies at, purely for entertainment, but because real life started to kind of suck so much, they became something far more, I hate to use the word dangerous, but it really dangerous for me in that life became the boring part between the next chance I could get to log into, you know, a game I used to play called EverQuest, which is very much like World of Warcraft, but it's the idea where you create a character and there's always something happening. There's always levels to, to level up to. There's always a dragon to fight, so on and so forth. So this became a really kind of recurring theme in my life where go to work, come home, escape into something. And then on my weekends, you know, I'd go with my brother and drink as many beers as I could to forget the week I just had and try not to think about the week I was about to have. And eventually got to a point where I was, I went to visit my friends back in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where I went to college and on my flight back out to San Diego, where I had to get up the next morning at 5 a.m. to go to work, I had a panic attack on the airplane. Just sitting there going like, there's no way in hell I'm going to do this for, for 40 years. I'm just, it's not going to happen. 40, 50 years, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Something needs to change. And I started to reframe what was important to me and really sit down and, and think about it. And I said, to me, I've, you know, I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to do these amazing things. But I've never taken any steps towards making those things happen. Yeah, I jumped around the, the U.S. a little bit here and there and had taken family trips to uh, you know, Disney World when I was a little kid, but had never done any sort of true traveling. I'd never been outside of North America. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to prioritize adventure, I need to make a living doing something I'm excited about. And I need to put a system in place to get myself excited about improving my life in some really interesting ways and what better way to do that than to apply the same video game mechanics and behavioral psychology that got me hooked on EverQuest, that got me hooked on The Lord of the Rings, that got me hooked on, on being unable to stop reading Harry Potter. You know, what was it in those, in those stories that I, that I loved and started applying them to myself to, to uh, I guess this is a bit of an aside, but to quote the Dos Equis man, you know, the most, world's most interesting man in the world, you know, he lives vicariously th through himself. I had spent so much of my life living vicariously through these characters that I wanted to start living vicariously through myself and turn myself into the hero of my own story. Wow, that's, that's awesome. And there is a lot to be said about, I really like how you put that, becoming the hero of your own story. Actually, now that I, now that I say it like that, um, I'm not sure if you've seen, it's a, a Joe Rogan on it commercial on YouTube. Now that I, I say have, it like it's that. It's amazing. It's yeah. funny is I didn't see that until probably a week before my book came out. And I saw it, it was like, oh shit. Rogan. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. People are going to think I stole this from Rogan. I was like, I, I hadn't seen it, to be honest with you. Um, but it's so powerful, and the way that he delivers it is is perfect. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It actually comes from a. Um, it actually comes from a podcast that he did, I think, on Aubrey Marcus's podcast, uh, the the founder of On It. I just I came across that and I was like, wait a second, all this content sounds really familiar to that commercial, at least on that podcast that they were talking about. But then, yeah, as as it rolled off your tongue, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I said it slower and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this <laughs> even before. Um, it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful statement. And I like how you just kind of went for it. You just, you identified the problem, right? And you looked at, you you know, you mentioned behavioral psychology, but at any layman could just say, okay, yeah, my life sucks. What do I do now? <laughs> and, uh, but you stopped procrastinating, right? You, you said, I don't want to do this for the next 40 years because so many people just say, I'll change next year or, you know, I got to save up because I might have kids soon or I need to do X, Y, or Z. The list could be a million excuses long. Uh, but I know part of your book is about stopping the procrastination that just cripples people. So I'm curious to hear how can our reader, how can our listeners stop procrastinating today, this minute? Sure. Well, I, I, I firmly believe, and this is one of the funniest things I've, or the, the most fun things I've ever written. I'll put it that way. Um, but I, I stumbled across years ago, the, uh, episode of the show South Park, the tale of the underpants gnomes. <laughs> and it's these little characters that sneak into the people's houses in the show South Park and steal their underwear. And the kids follow them back to their cave and they go down there and there's like dozens of little gnomes just with a giant pile of underpants. And they talk to them and they go, what are you doing? You're stealing everybody's underwear. I'm so confused. This doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? They're like, well, this is part of our master business plan. Okay, like what do you you mean? They're like, well, phase one is collect underpants and phase three is profit. (laughs) All right, well, what's phase two? And they, they show, they go to their giant business plan and it's phase one, collect underpants. Phase two is just a giant question mark. And phase three is profit because they have no idea what to do with phase two. They're all stuck on phase one, which is just collecting more underpants. And I equated that to what most people do with their lives. They collect YouTube videos and TED Talks and they read books and they watch movies and they listen to friends and they go to conferences and they scroll through Instagram, motivational quote after motivational quote after cat photo after motivational quote. <laughs> and they say, like, oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down. And, ooh, I'm going to do that someday. Or next Monday, I'm going to start. And they collect a pile of metaphorical underpants. They're just collecting more information and they're never going to get to phase three. In the show, it was profit. I think in real life, it's the life that you really want to live. Phase two is taking action. Phase two is taking, instead of collecting another few hours of uh, quote-unquote underpants, instead read the least amount of information you need to get started and then try something. You know, if you want to become a blogger, start writing crappy content. If you want to become an artist, go buy some canvases and paint and paint a terrible smiley face or draw stick figures. It doesn't matter. The point is actually taking action. So... Uh, I strongly encourage throughout the book, like, hey, if this resonates with you, put the book down and go do something. You could, the book will still be here when you get back. 
but you learn so much more when you get off your ass, you go and try something, whether or not you fail or you succeed is, is almost irrelevant. It's the starting, the learning, the adapting, adjusting, evolving, and, and so on and so forth. So I think number one is really letting people know like, hey, more information is not going to get you necessarily any closer. It's, act- it's taking action that will get you there. And two, throughout the book, I hammer home the fact that if you're relying on motivation or willpower or inspiration to get started, or if you're like, oh, I'm just not motivated enough to do this today, you've already lost. I, I found this great quote that says, you know, essentially, screw motivation, cultivate discipline. And I found it on Cura, Q-U-O-R-A, that, you know, somebody's like, oh, I'm not motivated enough to practice my violin. It's like, well, you need to cultivate and manufacture discipline in your life. So the only option is for you to practice. So for somebody who's like, oh, I'd love to start a business, but I can't get myself to whatever. It's like, cancel your cable, get rid of, donate your TV to Goodwill, uh, block every time-wasting website on your computer, and for every morning that you do not write a blog post, your friend will donate $50 of your money to the Westboro Baptist Church or the political cause that you don't like, uh, whatever it may be. So it's like putting fundamental systems in place, hacking your environment, building this, this almost this world of uh, the systems around you so that you procrastination is not an option. You have to do the thing that you know is going to fundamentally change your life. You can't not do it today. You have to do it. It's, there's no willpower or motivation required. It's just the thing that happens. That's, uh, yeah, that is, that is really wise advice. And I, I want to ask you a, a little bit more about how we can cultivate uh, discipline. <laughs> but I have a, a quick, funny, funny story to share. You mentioned, I love like, funny stories. Well, you mentioned uh, the donation to a political cause that you would hate. And I, right before our call, I was texting with my buddy, uh, Daniel DiPiazza. Actually, I was FaceTiming. Oh, I talked it, to him yesterday. Exactly. So Daniel, Good dude. yeah, so Daniel, uh, I went to FaceTime Daniel and he uh, instead texted me back, told me that he was on the toilet. And uh, <laughs> I said, he said, uh, you know, I'm, I have friends who will pick up during these situations. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he didn't do that anyway. He said, oh, I just, I, he said, oh, are you free at, at two or whatever the time was we were supposed to talk? And I said, uh, no, I'm talking to, to Steve Cam. He said, oh, I just talked to him yesterday. Anyway, Daniel's big on the negative motivation. And sure. for me, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. Like he, he was involved with the Pavlock team, uh, Manish oh, yeah. yep. like it's sh- this piece of hardware you wear and it, uh, it just shocks the shit out of you anytime <laughs> you, you do something bad or, um, Daniel had famously now written an article that said, uh, wh- uh, the, the title of his email, I believe, is why I donated $1,000 to the Nazi party. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, of course, we, we get that article, or he writes that article, and uh, I show up. We had an under-30 CEO meetup a few years ago in Santa Monica, California. And Daniel had written for us for like a year, and uh, but we didn't really know each other that well at the time. Um, but we were, you know, we were just online friends or whatever. It's you know, it was would be like you and I rolling up to an uh, to an event or whatever a couple years ago. And uh, anyway, we had so some some readers show up showed up who were fans of both under 30 CEO and uh, rich 20 something and this girl goes 
oh my God, I read your article today about donating to the Nazi party. And everyone in the room was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so anyway, I had, I had to share that story uh, just oh, that's because gold. you just Yeah, unfortunately, I have not today. donated any money to any causes uh, because I, I, I was like, well, my only option here is to write the damn article. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I'd stay up until six in the morning doing it, but I got it done because I didn't want to give my money away. That's, uh, that's, that's really funny. So, um, do you ever think like, I'm, so I'm not a big, uh, negative motivation person. Sure. And I think probably because I've just done so much yoga in my life and had so many really nice people tell me how I should rather, how I, they would rather have me put their body, how I will feel better, put my body than how that would make me feel that much better. Right. <laughs> I've, I've tried to cultivate as much, um, uh, positive, positivity for myself as sure. opposed to punishing myself, which I used to do at the gym, calling myself a pussy and a bitch mm -hmm. and on and on and on. Anyway, uh, I'm curious is if you ever think, hey, uh, dude who can't find the motivation to play the violin, maybe the violin's just not for you. Um, do you ever, do you ever think like that? I'm curious. Yeah. Well, uh, so I think there's, there's, there's two things here. Um, it's funny you mentioned, I think it was literally about the violin, which was funny to me because while writing the book, I learned to play the violin. Um, I wanted to prove like the concepts in the book worked and I liked the idea of the violin. So, so I stuck with it. I've also quit plenty of things too, where I'm like this, you know, or I had like this great idea of what something could be in my head. And then I tried it and it wasn't a good fit. So I'm like, okay, like that just won't be on my my list of things to do anymore. And, and I'm okay with that. So, you know, I, for this guy who was playing the violin is like, oh, I can't find the motivation. Um, I think for him, this is what he needed because like he truly enjoyed playing the violin. He just struggled with the, with the motivational aspect of it. And I, I was there too, for my first few months playing the violin, I couldn't get myself to practice. And I was like, well, I have to be motivated to play for half an hour and I have to take it out of the case and do all these things. So to fix that, I just bought a $10 violin stand and it's now sitting next to my desk and it's in the middle of my living room. And every time I come home for a lesson, it's already set up. And that one tiny environmental change kind of removed that big barrier for me to have to think in terms of 30 minutes. Now I pick it up and play for a song or 30 seconds here and there. And like, that's totally fine. And I practice way more. So I have no problem with people quitting certain things. What I do struggle with is when people consistently complain about something and then do nothing about it. You know, it's kind of like shit or get off the pot, you know, like, hey, if you hate your job and all you do is complain about it, either shut up and stop complaining or quit or take a step and put actions in place in your spare time to start building the thing that you always complain about saying that you want to do. But for most people, they just kind of complain and, you know, be miserable and then they complain and get more miserable with other people. Uh, I, I think you made a good point in that negative reinforcement is not always, uh, uh, I, I think everybody's a little different. Um, I don't necessarily love it either. I, I think you can come up with a really positive reward system with a little bit of accountability where it's not negative, but you still have somebody else to check in with and put a lot of those systems in place for those things that you know you need to do until it gets to the point where, you know, very much like Daniel Pink says in Drive, like you get addicted to the positive feelings that come along with for you it's yoga for me it's uh doing you know gymnastic holds and fun things like that or writing uh all these things i know i don't want to start but as soon as i get started on them 
I start to feel so much better and I get excited and I get in the flow and I start to you know, feel really good about myself. Some of those little environmental cues or outside accountability can really kind of help me with that just final 1% nudge that I need to overcome inertia and get me going. Okay, so to overcome inertia, a lot of people, uh, you know, there's this whole concept of life hacking and travel hacking and now biohacking and whatever you can, whatever Thanks, you can. Thanks, Tim. Ha- yes, Tim, <laughs> Tim Ferriss and, you know, all, it, the list goes on and on at, at this point. But what you said about something so simple, like, all right, put the violin in the middle of the floor so that you just have to trip over it every day or else you should just pick it up, you know, and you just pick it up and play it. You don't have to take it out of the case. I I heard, forget who it was, but I was listening probably to a podcast um, about someone saying, you know, some people who love running are like, how do you run? How do you, well, how do I get started? Just put your shoes on and run out the door. It's really easy. And then there's other people who are like, oh God, well, first my alarm goes off and then I got to consider for the next 15 minutes what, you know, the, the, the worth of my life, if I'm going to go out there and risk it against it's traffic. Out, it's dark. <laughs> exactly. And they make this whole big story about it where it's really simple. Just get out there and run. So my question for you is, is there, how can someone cultivate the mindset where they're constantly thinking for themselves, what's going to make this the path of least resistance and what's going to make this just as easy as possible for me? Uh, how, how can someone, it's probably about training your mind to see, all right, take a deep breath and be like, all right, this isn't working how I'm currently doing it. Let me rethink this. I'm curious if you have any uh, hacks for us or how someone can become a better hacker. Sure. Well, so you mentioned earlier, like maybe it's just not the violin for this guy. When when people come to nerdfitness.com and they're like, oh man, I hate exercising and I'm not going to do it. It's like, well, maybe you just haven't found the type of exercise that you love. So like our entire community is actually segmented into seven different uh, guilds or classes, depending on how you like to train. So warriors are powerlifters and scouts are runners and Assassins do parkour and gymnastics and druids do yoga and monks do martial arts and adventurers like to rock climb and hike and travel. So for somebody, you know, like if you took a warrior and said you need to go run a marathon, they'd be like, there's no way in hell. Personally, I'm not a runner, you know. So if you told me I had to run a marathon, I'd say like only if something was chasing me that could also happen to run a marathon would I be running one. So I think for anybody, if you're finding something and it's just you're you've you've given it uh, the the old college try and you're pushing through it and it doesn't work it doesn't mean you're a failure it just might mean you need to try something different you know i i love to do gymnastics and and heavy strength training like that's how i found my fitness other people do it completely differently and and that's okay so back to your your other point you said you know point of path of least resistance and whatever uh in the book i call it and on nerd fitness as well, but it's kind of hacking your bat cave. So to pull a, put a nerdy spin on it, Bruce Wayne is Batman and Bruce Wayne doesn't have any regular superpowers. He's just a guy with a bunch of money. So he has his bat cave where he builds and crafts his gadgets and, and gizmos and, and works on his, you know, the bat suit and the Batmobile and things like that. So in life, we have our bat cave. It's the office that we work out of. It's our home. It is the car that we drive in, the route that we take, whatever. 
I do everything I can to increase the number of steps between me and the bad habits I'm trying to break and decrease the steps between me and the habit I'm trying to build. So for that person that can't get out of bed in the morning to go for a run, I would encourage them to sleep in their running clothes, put their shoes across the room next to their alarm clock, which is out of arm's reach, and a tall glass of water next to the alarm clock. So the first thing they do, they have to get out of bed to turn the alarm clock off. They immediately drink the glass of water, which wakes them up. They are already in their their running clothes, and they go outside for a five-minute run or less. Maybe they only have to go out the door, but they have to go out the door and come back in. And if after 30 days they've done that every single day, they earn some sort of reward that rewards them back, something like a new pair of running shoes or entrance to a running conference that they wanted to attend or purchase of an online fitness program that is catered to runners or something like that. So you can introduce some of these steps and try to really, really reduce the number of steps between you and the habit you're building. And if it still seems too daunting, make it even smaller. You know, the, if five minutes is too much, literally make it, put your shoes on, walk out to the mailbox or just go for a walk and come back. You know, make, minimizing those steps as much as possible. That's, that's really solid advice, just minimizing the steps. It's like the South Park guys, one through three. Well, don't worry about what step two was, just kind of... I think we were talking about this before we started recording. It was just like, you just got You just have to do it sometimes. There's yes, you just, know we're really doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or um, I don't know if you ever follow Elliot Hulse. Uh, big, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, big YouTube guy, but... He had a thing on, on Strength Camp that said, shut off your brain. I think he had it on the wall of his gym. And it was just like, all right, stop listening to that little inner voice or at least be aware of it that it's just the voice in your head saying, oh, I don't like to run. I don't want to get up in the morning. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, maybe tomorrow. And if you just shut that off and put your damn shoes on and get out the door. Uh, I guess surprised what you can do, yeah. Yeah, it's easier. Of course, it's easier said than done. Um, but once you sometimes, other times it's easier done than said. I think we make such a big deal out of it, and then it's like, oh shit, that wasn't so bad, you know. But it's such a, such a mental mountain in our heads sometimes that it's really not that bad. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good perspective. It's a lot of gum flapping. We can sit here and talk for forty-five minutes to an hour about all the ways to get uh, the discipline. If you're if you're listening to this right now, you don't need to listen to the end. Just go fucking go do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody know? shouldn't use that as a slogan and we'll say, just do it. What do you think? I, I think that would be a great idea. It's probably applicable to running and um, <laughs> maybe go buy a, a new pair of shoes afterwards. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by Nike. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it goes back to collecting the underwear, right? If you're <laughs> listening to this, trying to get Steve's magic gem that he's going to tell you right now, well, guess what? There isn't one. Sometimes you just have to go and bite the bullet and... Uh, yeah, stop collecting more underpants. There, there's your magic bullet. Quote, quote that and tell people and they definitely won't think you're crazy, I promise. I like it. I like it. And then once you do that in one part of your life, it just becomes... You, it to cultivate discipline, I think, as you said... Yep. It just becomes easier and easier. Discipline becomes that muscle that you constantly work out. It's easy if you're just observing your noisy thoughts and quieting your mind and saying, all right, I don't, I'm not going to resist this alarm clock. I'm just going to go outside and go for a run. Um, 
because I yeah. reduce the steps. Yeah, it's, I think it just comes down to it's just that easy. <laughs> well, it's momentum building too. Like you said, you know, inertia, you're trying to overcome it. But once you get it going, it's like pushing a snowball down a hill. With every win that you have, be it in health and fitness or business or whatever, you can translate that over to other parts of your life. It's like, oh, I fixed this this way, then baby, I'm, you know, it's, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you just expect to win. And then you more often, instead of looking for everything to fail from, you start to look at the little things that are going right. And that just continually pushes you further down the path towards this leveled up version of your superhero version of yourself that you're looking to build. Yeah, absolutely. It's why they say the rich get richer and we're not necessarily talking about dollars and cents here. It's because sure. some people just have momentum and you're going to pick up that hockey stick growth of, uh, eventually. Yeah, totally. I'm in. I like it. I like it. I want it. to do it. I don't know what yet, but I'm in. I'm fired up right now. All right, Steve, let's stop talking about all this discipline, nonsense, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Go outside, run, join Steve's program because you'll be a, around a bunch of other people who feel this way. And I want to hear about the, the cool stuff uh, that you've done now that, you know, now that you, you have done this stuff, you have put on your, what do they say, your, your pants one leg at a time and, and <laughs> gone out there and, uh, and gone after it. So I'm, I'm curious about your, your, some of your travels and, um, and kind of what they've taught you because you, you did the round the world, the round the world thing and thank sure. Tim Ferriss and uh, it motivated you to do something entirely different and and larger than yourself uh so yeah i'm curious where you've been and and what you've learned absolutely uh i think the thing for me that i learned the most was unless you make prior adventure a priority it's the thing that always kind of gets pushed to the back burner things that you do when life gets less busy so i decided as somebody that had grown up loving Indiana Jones, Top Gun, Jason Bourne, uh, Star Wars, all these great movies and, and games and books and things. Like, if I'm going to get out there and do this, and I've been using these guys in, as, as an escape for so long, why don't I use them as, like, education instead? Like, how can I kind of reverse engineer these fictional characters' lives into fun missions that I can kind of send myself on? So... I once flew a stunt plane in New Zealand, which I was completely unaware of a thing, was a thing, until one afternoon I was on a bus and the, the bus driver announced it. And less than 24 hours later, I was doing barrel rolls and corkscrews and loop-de-loops in an in a old kind of stunt biplane in a place called Nelson, I think it was Nelson, Nelson, New Zealand. Two days after that, I was skydiving. Two days after that, I was bungee jumping. Uh, after that, I found Nemo on the Great Barrier Reef, wow. uh, which was pretty freaking cool. Uh, the, my favorite story and the one that uh, I opened the book with is I lived a weekend like James Bond in, in Monaco. So as somebody that grew up watching James Bond and, and pl playing far too many hours of Nintendo 64's GoldenEye, uh, I thought to myself, man, it would be really cool to live a weekend like this guy, you know, because I was a shy, risk-averse nerd that struggled to have conversations in, in many ways with people. And here's this other guy. Here's James Bond, you know, always has the, the perfect thing to say, so calm and cool, collected under pressure, always looks, you know, looks, looks damn good in a tux and, and always gets the girl, you know. He's like, here's this guy that's got it all figured out, kind of, um, with the exception of the international espionage and killing people. <laughs> um, so I, I chose to pick the the 
parts of Bond that uh, I could do legally and just broke down what that was. And it involved me renting a tuxedo, spending a weekend at the Fairmont Monte Carlo and gambling at the Monte Carlo Casino. So uh, I I thought it would be really fun and cool to prove to people like, hey, anybody can do this. You know, my week, I rented the tux for 50 bucks at a costume shop in Nice, France. I used hotel points uh, to stay at the Fairmont and had saved up a little bit of money over my previous 10 months of travel and was ready to say, like, if I lose this money while gambling, at least I'll have the story. And I ended up making money because I uh, read a few books in blackjack and, and had some decent cards. So all told, I had this amazing, luxurious weekend that everybody would look at on the outside and say, like, who is this guy? And you know, whose oil tycoon son is he or who blah, 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 or what did he buy or who does he know? And in reality, I was a backpacker that, you know, a backpacker that had won a few extra hundred bucks playing blackjack. And after that weekend, returned to my life of traveling and prioritizing adventures and experiences and not spending money on, uh, not spending money on more objects and more things and a bigger house and a nicer car. You know, now that nerd fitness is bigger and I just recently moved to New York City, I still I still live below my means and, and do everything I can to dump all of the money that nerd fitness makes back into the company, into hiring more people, into building better experiences for my team or better experiences for my community. Uh, last summer, I went to Croatia on this thing called Yacht Week, which was pretty crazy, and then went explored Plivitz Lakes, uh, which is the most beautiful location on the planet I've ever seen. Uh, let's see. I did Oktoberfest in Germany, Carnival in Rio, uh, tracked animals in South Africa, and once spent 24 hours in Alaska climbing a mountain and chasing moose, mooses, <laughs> not mice. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been crazy, and I've done it all on like a pretty shoestring budget. And not only while did I do all these things, but I did them all while also building a business that that helped people too. So, you know, I, I share my story, but throughout the book, I share stories of regular people too that come from all walks of lives that have wives and children and wives and children and husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends and regular jobs, but have prioritized adventure too to allow themselves to go do uh, cool things. Uh, just one final quick example is a guy that works in my building here in New York City. And when I moved in, he found out that I was, I ran nerd fitness. He's like, Oh dude, I love nerd fitness. And I'm a ranger. Ranger is like a CrossFit guy. I'm like, really? That's amazing. So, so anyway, so I gave him a signed book, uh, two weeks ago when the book came out and I went and talked to him yesterday. I'd been on a book tour. So I'd been traveling for the past three weeks and I walked up to him. I was like, well, what's up, dude? He says nothing. I'm going to Japan tomorrow. I was like, Oh man, I hadn't, I didn't know you, uh, you hadn't had that planned. He's like, I didn't. I read your book and I was so spurred to action that I knew I had friends in Japan. I've been saying I wanted to go for years and your book was the kick in the ass I needed. He's like, I leave tomorrow. Like, oh, that is damn, awesome. That's awesome. So he's in, he's headed to Japan tomorrow. Like how freaking cool is that? Wow. I, I like it. I like it. Um, da- Daniel actually just told me or, oh no, I saw it posted on, I think he posted it on his Facebook. He said, he said he was walking down the street in, uh, in Los Angeles and somebody yelled out the window, hey, Rich 20-something. And uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool, man. Really, uh, 
yeah, really excited about about the book and to to dive in um, more myself. That's that's awesome. It's given given someone the the kick in the ass that that they need, and many people, of course, not just not this just, uh, just, just that one, this guy. one guy. Just that, but hey, all I all I needed was one, and it's right. a, a success. Well, maybe a few more, but. No, that that's really cool. I, w- I wanted to ask you uh, before we wrap things up. Do you have? I, I mean, I have to ask you about hacking more stuff, right? So, <laughs> sure. do you have any favorite travel hacks? Obviously, I heard your your we heard your story about um, being in Monaco, and yeah, you don't ha- you can go and have these experiences, but it just comes down to prioritizing what you're going to budget your money for. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear some more. Uh, I can't speak highly. I realize this is, I'm talking about my book. I'm going to reference another one, but my friend, uh, Matt Kepnes runs a website called nomadicmat.com that I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with, but he wrote a book called how to travel the world for $50 a day. And that has been really helpful for me as well in prioritizing the right things. So whether it's using, um, you know, using using travel hacking uh, techniques to to book cheap flights while traveling, or staying with locals, staying in inexpensive but nice hostels, uh, cooking meals with friends, and and things like that. And you know, it really comes down to what's important to you. I think for many people, when they think travel, they think, oh, geez, I have to. Well, there's the flight, and then I have to book the hotel, and. And then there's the rental car and all this other stuff. And, you know, their, their budget is just gigantic. When in reality, these days, like, I'll book a flight. On my trip around the world, I think of my, like, 15 entry flights into a, into a new country. Of those 15, probably 14 of the times I didn't have lodging squared away when I landed, I literally would land and go up to the tourist desk and say, hey, where's the nearest hostel? And then I would check into the hostel for a day or two and it's like, okay, where should I go next? And, uh, you know, you can travel incredibly cheaply. When you do that, there's there's all sorts of other great resources. I, I put them in the book as well. There's a significant chapter in here on Indiana Jones and, and traveling. Um, but it's really prioritizing the things that are important to you. And for many, it's sitting by a beach and drinking an overpriced daiquiri in a club med. I think for the rest of us, we want, we want to have an adventure. It's those late nights with other travelers or those uh, quiet nights at a bar with somebody else that you know, tells you a story that you can't wait to hear or that, that you'll never forget and things like that. So I think it's being open to the idea of adventure, not being afraid to stay outside of the, the tourist trap parts of the country and not booking too much in advance, allowing kind of serendipity to kick in and, and see what, what can happen when you show up and say, all right, what's, what should I do? And, and once you get there, amazing things happen. And you're never disappointed because if nothing's been planned, everything just kind of happens. I, uh, I love it. I love it. That's, that's great because I'm headed to Columbia uh, in a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, I don't have anything planned. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to fly to Cartagena, but uh, that's all I have planned, literally. And I was like, oh, do they have a carnival or anything? For, <laughs> I'm like, I, I really hope I don't just show up in the midst of uh, who knows what. But you know what? I, got a, I scored a cheap flight and I was like, all right. I'm going to book this and think about it later. And uh, That's great. And, and see you'll what figure happens. It out. Hey, you'll course. figure it out. Of course. Um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And Steve, before, before I let you go, I do need to ask you another hacking question. Obviously, sure. do you have some fitness hacks for people who want to stay healthy while they're on the road, while they're traveling? Yes. 
uh, I actually travel with a set of gymnastic rings that I use and I hang them up from tree branches or bus stop overhangs or from uh, park swing sets or whatever it may be. But on my initial around the world trip, I didn't have anything like that. So I literally, I would walk to, I'd get to a city and I'd pull up my Google map and I would look at the biggest patch of green grass I could find on the map and I'd figure that would be a park and I'd walk over there and I'd do a very simple routine of pull-ups, push-ups, uh, squats, and lunges. And, and, and that was it. I might do different variations of push-ups and I might do, you know, do pull-ups with a backpack on my back or do squats with just one leg. But I, I think for anybody, mixing in a, even just once a week, a simple strength training routine, going for long walks, do those two things and alternate them every other day. It doesn't need to take longer than 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And if you can prioritize those things, it allows you to stay in great shape even when you're traveling so that when you come back home, it's not like, oh God, I have to get back on the track and get back on track and I'm so far behind and I put in all this weight and blah, blah, blah. And reality, it's like, no, just maintain, you know, kind of tread water while you're traveling. And hopefully that sets you up to when you come back, you can kind of keep that momentum and inertia that you had been building up while you're, while you're traveling. No, that, that makes sense. I love uh, the idea of the still rings. I had a buddy, Adam Griffin, who's been on the podcast, who brought me down a pair to Costa Rica to uh, one of our, our fitness retreats. He had uh, a pair of still rings, which was really cool. And then another guy who was on the podcast, Donnie uh, Galagos, he brought down the sandbag and uh we just went to the beach and filled it up. You can fill it up to 70 pounds of sand and do sprints with it, thrusters, sure. overhead, whatever, whatever you want to do. It'll, you'll, you'll, you'll get it in. And, uh, yeah, play with that in the right way for 15 minutes, and um, you'll be in good shape. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be complicated. Simple wins. Just get, get strong and get strong. Cut out as many liquid calories as you can and eat some more vegetables, like your mom said, and you'll be fine. I like it. I like it. Do you have any parting parting words of wisdom? I, that was uh, that was pretty solid, right there. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would also include don't sit too close to the TV and uh, don't run with scissors. I guess. Other than that, I got nothing. I, I like it. I like it, uh, Steve. The name of your book is Level Up Your Life. You are from NerdFitness.com. Where else can people find out about you? Stay in touch. Yeah, you can actually go to um, levelupyourlife.com and create your own character and create your list of quests and assign experience point values to them. So when you cross things off, your character actually, yep, levels up. So I'm uh, really proud of that. And then I'm on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Steve Cam, S-T-E-V-E-K-A-M-B. Steve, sounds like a plan. It was awesome catching up. Yeah, man, we just, uh, we did it, didn't we? We, uh, we certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> Hey, did you like today's episode? If you did, log on to iTunes and leave us a review. It would really help us out. We try to put out good, free content all of the time. Check out the show notes on under30co.com. Send the podcast to a friend who could use some of the advice. And of course, if you want to travel with us, check out under30experiences.com and 50% off Athletic Greens on the show notes. Thanks for listening.